You have to look at souls. Did you hear that? You can't look at numbers. You have to look at souls. And, and as this phrase continues to pound in my head of, of looking at souls and not numbers, I start, I start asking myself, what's the problem with the church? Because the church is this glorious thing that God and, and Jesus Christ Himself died for so that we could have a blessing. It is a blessing to be assembled here tonight. I don't know if you feel it or not, but it is. God died for you to be here tonight. Like, whenever we realize that, that God died for us to be here tonight, that changes our perception of why we're even here. It's not like I have to go to church. It's like, God died so I could be here tonight. That makes sense? So, so I start questioning, why is the church dying? Why, why is like 200 churches each week closing their doors for the very last time? Why is that happening? I come to this conclusion that we're focusing on numbers and not souls. We're focusing on numbers and not souls. I want to ask you to do something. I, I didn't know I was going to do this until I was standing right there and we're singing. I, I would ask you to, to, to stand up. Everybody stand up. And if you're able to, if you're able to, I know some of you are not able to move very well. I want you to go to a seat that you've never sat in before. Right now. I want you to go to a seat you've never sat in before in this, in this auditorium. Hey, don't, don't sit up here. Hey, that's good, though. No. Thanks. This is a good idea. Hopefully, finding your way back if I get your attention again. Okay, does it look different? Look any different? Alright. Have your Bibles open to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Man, I love this. A lot of y'all move forward. That's awesome. Thank you. Alright, Luke chapter 19. I promise there's a point to this. And I, I hope that you have your seatbelt on and your steel toe shoes on because they're probably going to get stepped on tonight because I'm, get, I'm stepping on my own toes. I'm stepping on my own toes. Luke chapter 19, let's start in verse 1. Luke 19. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a, name, a man named Zacchaeus who was chief tax collector. But he was rich and he sought to see who Jesus was. But he could not because of the crowd for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. All right, let's stop there. What just happened? All right, there's some things we need to notice here. The first thing is that, that Jesus entered into Jericho. Jesus entered into Jericho. Now, now, what, is, what does this even mean? All right, so, so let's think about this. Jesus 
Jesus is at the end of His ministry because later on in Luke chapter 19, we're going to see that He's about to make this triumphal entry where He's going to go into Jerusalem for the last time of His life and He's going to put on trial for killing, uh, for, for being the Son of God, for blasphemy. Uh, they're going to kill Him. Your Savior, they're going to kill. Now, think about all this time. He's about to go to Jerusalem, but right now He's in Jericho. So He's on His journey to Jericho. Now remember, both of these, both of these cities are in the same region of Judea. They're not very far from each other. If you're looking at a map, here, here's Jericho and right down here is Jerusalem. So Jesus is popular. Jesus is popular, so not only did He walk in, there's a great multitude present. So Jesus walks in, everybody comes to see Jesus. That makes sense? Let's say those back doors opened up. All right? I, had a, I had a great privilege. Last time I stood on this stage, was, I was marrying my sister. And, and I stood here, and those doors opened and I almost cried like a baby. And I saw my sister in all of her glory in the one moment of her life standing there. You know what everybody else did? They stood up and turned and looked at her. If, if right now at this very moment Jesus walked through those doors, what would everybody do? Right to Jesus. Why? We know what He has to offer and we want to be like Jesus. We want to see Jesus. Well, nonetheless, nonetheless, there's, Jesus enters into town and people want to see Jesus. I don't blame them. So what's the next thing we need to notice from this passage? Is that Zacchaeus is hated. Zacchaeus is hated. What does it say Zacchaeus is? A tax collector, right? Not only a tax collector, but a chief tax collector. Okay, tax collectors steal money. We hate the IRS today because they take our money, right? That's not why they hated tax collectors. I mean, that's part of the reason. But you know the main reason why they hated Zacchaeus? If you'll notice on later on in the story... Jesus calls Zacchaeus a son of Abraham. That tells us that Zacchaeus is a Jew. That, that Zacchaeus is from Judea. Guess where he's living right now, collecting taxes? In Judea. So you know what he's doing? He's given up this prestige of being a Jew and has pretty much defiled himself to work for the corrupt and crooked and perverse Roman government. So here's this man that no longer is, is your brother, but the enemy. The oppressive Roman government. Zacchaeus is not only a tax collector, but the representation of the Roman Empire. People hate Zacchaeus because he abandoned them and he's stealing from them and he is oppressing them. Zacchaeus is absolutely hated. Have you ever been hated before? Have you ever hated someone before? How does that make you feel? Do you want to be around that person that you hate? had a situation a couple of years ago um, where, where somebody had, had called me some ugly names, had, had called my family some ugly things. And for the first time in my life, I absolutely hated someone's guts. I didn't want to be around them. These people don't want Zacchaeus anywhere near them. They absolutely hate the man. What else do we need to notice about these first five verses? is that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus and put himself in position to do so. Alright, let's look at this. Verse 3 and 4. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. So, so Zacchaeus has a heart that wants to see Jesus. So Zacchaeus is a hated man. 
And, and he's got all this sinfulness in his life. Now, tax collectors are sinful. You know why? Because Scripture tells us they're sinful. Because whenever the Pharisees start describing who Jesus is eating with, you know what, you know what the Pharisees say? He is eating with the sinners and tax collectors. Like the tax collectors are so bad, they can't even be put in the same category with the sinners. Man, so Zacchaeus is hated and now he wants to see who Jesus is. And not only does he want to see who Jesus is and he has a problem because there's this crowd and because he's hated by the crowd, he's short. He's a short man. So he's got a physical limitation that he can't see who Jesus is. So this sounds like a a disaster waiting to happen, right? This crowd's around Jesus. Here's this little short guy that wants to see who Jesus is. And not only do the people that he's trying to walk through to get to see who Jesus is, hates him, but he's also short. So what does Zacchaeus do? He puts him in the way, puts himself in the way of Jesus by climbing a sycamore tree. And what's the last thing that we need to notice about this before we move on? It comes from verse 5. This is so important. This is so important to, to see how Jesus reacts. And when Jesus came to the place, okay, where's the place? where Zacchaeus is, right? In the sycamore tree. So when Jesus came to the place, He looked up, and what does Scripture say? He saw Him. So the first S of God's SOS is see the soul. See the soul. Because Zacchaeus is a hated man. The world hates him and doesn't want him around. Zacchaeus has physical limitations and there's this crowd surrounding Jesus so it's a disaster waiting to happen and Zacchaeus just wants to see who Jesus is. And what does Jesus do whenever he passes where Zacchaeus is? He looks up and he sees the soul. How easy would it have been for Jesus just to keep on walking because he's got these crowds following him. It's kind of almost, if if you were to watch uh, some... E! News or something, if, if you so desired to do that. I just wouldn't tell many people. Um, that's supposed to be a joke, sorry. You didn't find it funny. Um, you, you have these famous people, and there's paparazzi all around them, right? So much so that they can barely move, correct? Jesus walks in the town same way. He's a celebrity. People love him now because he's healing all these people. Zacchaeus wants to see him. And it had been so easy for Jesus just to keep his head down and try to keep moving, try to move forward, and maybe have compassion on a few people that just get in his way. So he just heals them just to get them out of their way. You know what? I'm just going to take care of this one person to move them out of the way so I can keep going and get to where I'm trying to get to. But Jesus stops, and he looks up, and he sees the soul. So that's the things we need to notice. So what must I do with these things that I just noticed about this? The first thing is I've got to show up. I have to show up. Jesus entered into Jericho. Jesus entered into Jericho, but you know what He did? He showed up. Now, that could be showing up to church. All across America, the churches of Christ are having the same problem. Even in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, Sunday morning attendance is 1,200 members. Okay, There's like 700 people in the first service and like five, 600 in the second. A lot of people. You know how many are there on Sunday night? 600. Okay, Savannah Church of Christ, Sunday morning, 400 people. Sunday night, 200. You have to show up. You're here on Sunday night. Congratulations, you're being a faithful follower of Jesus. I hope so. Why are you here? To be encouraged, hopefully. Might be getting your toes stepped on. I'm stepping on my own toes here. We have to show up. 
Not only to church, but in people's lives. Jesus walked down this path where where Zacchaeus was going to be right in his way and Jesus took the time to notice him. He took the time first off to be in Jericho. Be in reality. We can't just be walking around in a wonderland trying to save souls. If we're not intentional with our lives, the church will never grow. Because God and Christ did not come to this earth to die on, on the cruel cross of Calvary for us to just sit in the same pew every Sunday morning. That's why I challenge you to get up and to move. To sit somewhere you've never sat before. Because usually if you're anything like me, you get in this routine where I walk in, I say hi to the same people I say hi to every time I come into church, and I sit in the exact same seat every time I come into church. And you know who I don't talk to? The soul. I walk in and I see the numbers or lack of their numbers. (laughs) The church is not going to grow if we're not intentional in showing up. For this congregation to grow for any congregation to grow, for God's kingdom to grow. We've got to show up. What's the second thing we have to do with, this, with what we just noticed? Is we have to look at souls, not numbers. We have to look at souls and not numbers. Turn over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, for the just, for the unjust, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Did you hear what Scripture just told you? That Jesus died not only for those that are already saved, that have been put on in baptism, but the ones who just stepped foot into the Lord's church for the very first time. Jesus died for them. And you know how that lost soul is going to know that Jesus died for them? Only if we're an intentional. And don't just see, hey, there's another person at church today. Man, our number is no longer 400, but 401. I attend a church of now 401 people. But rather, that's a lost soul that needs Jesus. That's how the church is going to grow. By seeing the soul, not a number. I challenge you, when you walk into this church building, from now on, make a commitment not only to yourself, to ourselves, because I'm one of you, but to the Lord. I'm going to be intentional. Maybe sit somewhere else that I haven't sat before and ask someone, hey, how are you doing today? Tell me about your walk with Christ. Where are you at? Do you know who Jesus is? Is Jesus your Savior? Okay, Jesus is your Savior. Is He your Lord? We've got to be intentional. We've got to see the soul and not a number. Let's move on. great thing about Sunday night is I have a little bit more time, but it's quickly fading. Third thing that we have to notice here. See people how Jesus sees them, not how the world sees them. How did the world see Zacchaeus? They hated him. Absolutely hated them as a betrayer. You know how Jesus saw him? As someone he's about to go to the cross and die for. Someone who he loves so much that he's willing to give his life for. So if he's so willing to give his life for, I need to get uncomfortable. Or I need to get comfortable being uncomfortable and talk to the soul. Whether I hate them 
whether they're new and I don't know them, I don't even know their name, I have to be intentional. I have to see a soul. And i got to see them how Jesus sees them. Not as someone that is sinful and is dirty and is disgusting. And it's almost like, why did you show up into church? Do you really want the roof to fall in on us today? But rather, that child needs Jesus. I need Jesus just as much. So I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to show them who Jesus is. We've got to see souls. We've got to see them like Jesus does. And then finally, as I've already talked about this, is that we need to look and see those in our life who are seeking for Jesus. We need to look and see them. Whenever Jesus rolls in to Jericho, He, he stops what He's doing, all these crowds around Him, and He looks and He sees. Are you looking and are you seeing? For God's church to grow. For Savannah Church of Christ to grow. Because I would agree that we're all on the same page. Man, since I've been gone to school and this summer, I came back on like a potluck and I didn't know like half the people here. That's awesome. Whenever I come back and I've been gone a year and I don't know half the people here, that means you're doing something good. There's, always, there's this heart of I want something better. I want to grow. I want Jesus to use my life. And I want to be who God wants me to be. If we want to reach our full potential as a church... And not only as a church, but as a Christian, as a child of God, I have to see the soul. Because Jesus saw the soul. See the soul. So once Jesus sees the soul, what does He do? What does He do? He opens the opportunity. He opens opportunities. So Jesus sees the soul and now He opens opportunities. Well, let's look, let's look at how this happens. Let's read verse 5 again. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He is gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. What do I need to notice here? What do we need to notice? Because Jesus not only sees this soul, but He does something. Because I can walk into church and simply do this. Walk in, maybe I sit in a different place, and there's new people around me. And I walk in, and I sit down. Do you understand what I just did? I walked in, sat in a new place. I might have saw different souls, but I didn't speak to them. So me walking in and sitting down in a new place and seeing different people didn't do anything. Jesus didn't just stop and look and see Zacchaeus and keep going. He took the time to speak to the soul. And when He speaks to the soul, He does a couple things here. He does a couple things. He, number one, challenges him to no longer stay where he is currently at. He challenges him, Hey, Zacchaeus, you come on down from that tree. Don't stay up there any longer. You come on down. Let's have a conversation. The second thing that Jesus does, really as it could be the first thing, is that He meets Zacchaeus' immediate need. Now, we could, we could say that, that what Zacchaeus really needed was really a want because he wanted to see Jesus. But stick with me here. We all need Jesus. Zacchaeus needed Jesus. So Jesus fulfills his immediate need. And that's needing to talk to Jesus. So, so in, the, in the first sentence, Jesus takes care of two things. Hey, Zacchaeus, you come on down from there. and You don't stay there any longer. And, and the second thing 
is He fulfills His need. And the third thing is He opens up opportunities further. He says, hey, I'm going to your house today. We're going to have a meal together. And we'll, we'll get on into that a little bit longer. But let me give you these words here. What we need to notice, what we must notice, Jesus speaks to Zacchaeus. Jesus meets Zacchaeus' immediate need. And Jesus challenges Zacchaeus to not stay where he currently is at. And Jesus opened an opportunity for further conversations. Now, now verse 6 is really key. Is that, is that Zacchaeus joyfully accepted this. Zacchaeus joyfully received the challenge. And verse 7 is that not everyone was happy about this. Not everyone was happy. So what, what does this all, all sum up to? Is that Jesus took the time to see the soul and to challenge the soul. To meet the soul's need. And to take the time to be intentional and carry this relationship through. So what does it mean to me? Whenever I walk in, I must speak to souls. I can't just walk in and sit down and, and just stay in this seat. Jesus did not die for us to come and sit in a, a, a comfy seat. If you look at the book of Acts, all throughout the book of Acts, this Christian life is not one of joy and pleasure and of just an easy-going life. Man, they're being killed and they're being put in prison and people are after their heads. And in America, we think that this Christian life is just getting up and putting on our suit and tie and walking into a church building on Sunday morning. Being a Christian happens Monday through Saturday, not Sunday and Wednesday night. We have to see the soul and speak to the soul. And we need to meet the soul's immediate need. Now, what is this important? Why does this even matter? If you look at the chapter uh, of the book in the chapter of Matthew 25, you're going to notice Jesus is talking about the last days. And He's talking about what's going to happen on the day of judgment. And He says He's going to have two groups of people. And to this group He's going to say, you know what, I was hungry and I was thirsty uh, and I was in prison and I was a stranger and I was sick and you didn't do anything about it. Get away from me. And he's going to turn and he's going to look at this group and he's say, you know what? You saw me hungry and you gave me food. You saw me thirsty and you gave me something to drink. You saw me naked and you clothed me. You saw me in prison and a stranger and you visited me. Enter into your master's rest. When we see a soul's immediate need and we fail to do nothing, we bring condemnation on our own soul. I know those are hard words. But I'm challenging us, us, Quit living a comfortable lifestyle because the Lord's church needs you. She's dying all across the nation. And whenever I read Scriptures, whenever Jesus is talking to Peter and He says, the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I start looking at America and it's like, Lord, the gates are coming close. Where are you at? Maybe tonight's a wake-up call for us to grab our shield Put on our armor, the Lord's armor, and go to battle. I, saw, I heard this, uh, this quote uh, in class this week. I'm taking a short course about biblical leadership. And it says, uh, this is Kirk Brothers' dad said this to him all the time. Son, it's a battle out there, and the devil never takes a day off. Speak to a soul. Meet the soul's immediate need. Because John chapter 13 John 13, uh, verse 35. 
John 13, 35, will tell us, Jesus speaking to His disciples, say, they will know that you are My disciples by your love. If we're meeting people's immediate needs, people will know that we are of Jesus. Because people in America, people all across the world, really don't care about other people and their needs. But Christians do. And they'll know there's something different about you. And they will know that they need what you have. Alright, let's move on. Challenge the soul to try something new. Challenge the soul to try something new, to no longer stay where they're at. Did you know that in January, uh, January the 1st of 2010, in the state of Texas, in the state of Texas, there was a law that went into effect that said that at the Department of Transportation, they had to start asking people whenever they applied for a driver's license, would you like to be an organ donor? And whenever they simply started asking, would you like to be an organ donor? You know how many more organ donors there started to be? Do you think it was more or less? More or less. More. 50% more. If we simply challenge the soul and ask them, would you like to have a Bible study? Would you like to go eat and maybe get a meal after church? Hey, would you like to know about Jesus? You might be shocked by the answers. We need to try them, challenge them to do something new. Ask them to get out of their comfort zone. And open the doors for more conversations. Man, uh, every Sunday morning I love being here because not only because of the worship, but also because I know the second worship is going to happen down the street at Molly Mondays. Right? That's where about half of us are at. You come into church and there's somebody new, there's somebody visiting. Hey, we're going to all go to, to lunch over at Molly Mondays after service. You want to come with us? Because you know what happens whenever Christians have conversations and meals with other people that aren't Christians? You know what normally happens? Or at least you know what happens in Jesus' situation? They're not the same after as they were before. Because once we open the opportunity, we open the opportunity, we've got to save the soul. That's the last S. Save the soul. I'll fill in these, uh, these blanks before we move forward. If we just ask, we might receive a yes, and not everyone will be happy about what you're doing. There's going to be naysayers in every congregation you go to. They're going to be like, why are you talking to them? Why are you there? We'll tell them, you know what? Jesus was there, so I'm going to be there. Step out of our comfort zones. Let's get comfortable being uncomfortable. Alright, so we've seen the soul. We've opened an opportunity. Let's save the soul now. Let's save the soul. Pick up in verse 8. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. What happens whenever Jesus has a meal with somebody? The soul is never, never... You can look at every situation in the Bible that Jesus even sits down and has a conversation with somebody. From the woman at the well to, to the woman that was caught in adultery to, to even those uh, Mary that, that came and anointed Jesus' feet and was weeping. The soul is never the same after the meal as before. Open an opportunity, simple as, as asking them to go and eat with you. Simple as, hey, can I get your phone number to keep up with you? To call and see how you're doing next week. Simple as that. Actually, uh, this summer we took uh, the mission trip to Calvert City. We were knocking on doors all day long. We knocked over 8,000 doors. Only 4,000 of those doors opened, and we only got information from 300 of them. Now you tell me if it was successful or not. 
It was because there was like four people baptized from it. Souls were saved. It's successful if one person comes to Christ. Us being intentional is successful if one person comes to Christ. If the Savannah Church of Christ becomes 401 members, it is successful only if we're an intention for a purpose of saving the soul, not to get them out of the way. Sorry, chase the rabbit. Saving the soul. This mission trip. 300 of those cards that we got, the contact cards, people's information, most of those that we received were simply from this question. Hey, I know there's some struggles apparently from what you've, what you've talked to us. We had one, one woman tell us that, that she, the week before, um, had, had considered taking her life. And, and she had three kids outside that we got to talk to. And she told us this information. And you could tell she was still distressed, but she wasn't wanting to give us her information, her, her number and that kind of stuff. She didn't want a Bible study. So I just said, hey, can we get your phone number so that we can call you maybe later this week? Or, or that we can call you next week and just ask how you're doing today? Would that be okay? And whenever you humble yourself to a point of, I just want to care about you, I just want to love on you, man, phone number. Here you go. You want my kids' numbers too? People love someone that cares for them. And Jesus cared for every soul that He came in contact with. What must I do with this information? Get souls into God's Word so that He may change their hearts. I took a personal evangelism class. I think I talked about it one time on Wednesday night, quick devotional. We always think that that making someone a Christian is this hard, long process that it's too hard for me to try. It's as simple as, hey, would you like to study the Bible? Our immediate goal as a Christian is to get someone into the Word of God because you know what happens whenever we get in the Word of God? God's Word does the work. I don't do anything. God's Word tells me that it is sharper than any double-edged sword that is able to cut into the heart and the bones and the marrow. God's Word will do the work. We just have to get someone into God's Word. Romans 1.16 tells us that it is the power of, of salvation. First to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Paul says, I'm not going to be ashamed of the Gospel. I'm not going to be ashamed to be intentional. I'm not going to be ashamed to get out of my comfort zone and go talk to somebody because when I talk to somebody and share the Gospel with them, that is power in God's Word. Do you believe in the power found in Scripture? Do you take time to read power? To read the words of life? Because as a child of God, whenever I first realize that God died for me, and that He gave me His Holy Word so that I could get to Him, and that there are souls that are not going to find Christ. It changes everything about how I live. Whenever man's problem causes me to weep, when it really hurts me that bad to see someone struggling, to where I'm at the point of tears hurting for someone because they're lost in their sin, instead of just finding it funny, instead of just being like, it's not my problem. When it really hurts... That's whenever change will happen and that's whenever the Lord's church will grow. Because then we'll see the opportunity. Then we'll see the soul. Then we'll open the opportunity and then Jesus will save the soul. So what else do we have to do? Teach salvation through Jesus. Teach salvation through Jesus. Because whenever you get into the Bible, they're going to start saying, okay, I've got these problems. How do I be saved? Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. Understand that one soul saved can multiply. Because what happened in Zacchaeus' household? It says, Jesus says, Today salvation has come to this household, to his house. 
Not necessarily because his entire household put on Christ and baptism, or, or actually baptism wasn't in place at that point, but because of the Father's influence now in this household, salvation can come to the generations to follow. One soul can multiply the Lord's church. It's all about one soul. I'll finish up. I know you've been sitting there a while. And finally, last two things. Understand, okay, understand that one soul can save a multitude. And live on mission. Live on mission. The Lord's church in the book of Acts is not one that comes in on Sunday morning and sits down in their, in their meeting. They're meeting normally in a house because they're being persecuted. And then they normally go out and through the work of the Holy Spirit and through their lives being intentional, the Lord's church has become what it is today. But I don't know if, if you feel the same thing I feel. This urgency of if we don't do something different now, the doors are going to be closed pretty soon. Because I feel it. And I've stepped on my toes more than anyone tonight. I hope you understand that. I hope we understand that. This was not a, a, a you sermon, but a we sermon. That we need to all start being intentional. Why did I make you get up and to sit in a different seat? It's because maybe we need to start sitting in a different place every Sunday so that we can interact with different people. Because different people have different groups and, and different groups have different people that need to be reached for Jesus. And just maybe there's one Zacchaeus that is in a tree that is just waiting for you to pass by and to stop and to look. So I challenge you to look up. See the soul. Open an opportunity. And let Jesus save the soul. I know I didn't get all the blanks. Um, if you want to come to me, or I can post them on Facebook later. Because um, I know some of you are like me in OCD as well and want them all filled in. But thank you for listening. I hope that you were challenged and encouraged. Because the Lord's church needs us to start taking a stand. Because God's will is going to be done with or without you, but God's will might not be done as quick as God needs it to be done if we don't start stepping up today. Challenge you. Step up. Seek the soul. If you're here today and you haven't been seeking a soul and you're not living a life that you know Jesus would be proud of or that, that you need to be living so that souls will be saved and you feel like you need to repent for that, this is the perfect opportunity. This is a group of people that love you, that love us. Come. It, maybe today, tonight, you're Zacchaeus and you know what? You're currently in the tree and you're like, I just wish somebody would notice me tonight. I want you to know you've been noticed. You've been noticed tonight. Don't leave here without making yourself right with the Lord. Because there's a day and a time that we don't know, and that day is judgment. I can tell you it's coming, but I can't tell you when it's coming. Don't leave here tonight without making sure you're right with the Lord. Whatever your need is, let it be made known as we stand, as we sing. How deep the fall.